Welcome to the Weight Loss Podcast, where we offer solutions to the obstacles you face when it comes to achieving your health and fitness goals. As a married couple who's lost a combined weight of 100 kilograms and 11 clothes sizes, our raw, real, and relatable stories will show you the path you must walk to achieve, and more importantly, maintain the results you know you can reach, because we know it works. So get ready to share the success and show the results with your hosts, Matt and Courtney. Hello, you are listening to the Weight Loss Podcast. I'm Matt. I've always been Matt. <laughs> I've always will be Matt. <laughs> With me as always is my intrepid co-host. Me. Courtney. Yes. How are you? Excellent. Thank you. How are you? Well, I'm fabulous. So we are in our first official season, Success Leaves Clues. Yes. Figured it's worth having a discussion about you. Me, that you. is. That's you, yeah, yeah, about Courtney. So with the whole topic of success leaves clues, it's worth having this discussion with Courtney in this episode because Courtney is someone who has had some pretty substantial success to this point. And something that Courtney and I have noticed uh, with our experience is that there's a kind of a prevailing thought process that well once you get to your goals life's easy yeah and it's all smooth sailing from there and there's no more problems to be had so hey i'm going to lose 25 kilos 30 kilos 40 kilos and then well it's, it's smooth sailing for the rest of my life yeah am i right yeah is that how it works no you're right about how that that's the perception but <laughs> but you're not right about how that works and what do you think about that perception courtney oh uh, it, it, it's just, I wouldn't say it's ridiculous because it's just what people want to believe, so that's why they believe it, mm. but it's just unrealistic at the end of the day. It's just an unrealistic way of, of um, going about any sort of change. Yeah. Now, before we dive into this topic, it's worth bringing up that with our, our podcast, we are always conscious about the amount of time that we, you know, we take up. From yourself, we don't want to you know, monopolize your time, or do we? Do we? Maybe we do. But we also like to offer you the ability to dive even deeper into what we talk about, where where we can make it happen. So it's worth bringing up now, I think, Courtney, that we we do have a pretty cool free webinar. Yes, we do. That's out there called Why Overweight People Fail at Weight Loss. Now, obviously, weight loss is a topic that you and I have spoken about a little bit. Yes. Over the last two years. Hence the weight loss podcast. In fact, you might even say it's the entire purpose of the podcast. <laughs> but Courtney and I did a special webinar where we take you through the three key areas where we've noticed people fail the most. Yes. In their weight loss attempts and take the bit of a deep dive in terms of what you can do to turn those things around pretty much immediately. Mm, yep. And we think it's awesome. We do. And we'd like to think that you would think it's awesome too. So where is it found? I would recommend heading over to the show notes page for this episode at theweightlosspodcast.com and you'll find a link there to the Why Overweight People Fail at Weight Loss webinar. Yes. It's going to take up about 
40, 45 minutes of your time. So, hey, like if you've got nothing to do and you've got the time to spend, highly recommend you get into that. Go and get some, some knowledge into your head. Yep, absolutely. So that's our sick as awesome, cool webinar. That's it. Get on it now. Yes, get on it. Without further ado, speaking of getting on it, let's have a chat, wife. Yes. Talking about your perspective of where you are now in terms of how far along you've come and, and what challenges you're facing, I think it's worth starting off the discussion with a bit of a just a bit of a light on description of where you've come from and what you've done because the actual in-depth details of, of what you've achieved so far can be found way back in the archives in what, if I remember correctly, episode two of the podcast is about you and your story. Yeah, I think it was two, two or three, but I think I was two and you were three. Somewhere around Somewhere there. Somewhere around there. <laughs> One of the first three episodes of the show is about Courtney's story. However, let's let's have a bit of a recap here in terms of where you were to where you are now because I think it'll set up nicely what your new goal is. Yeah. And how you can explain your new goal because a bit of a sneak preview. Courtney's the goal Courtney's now working towards is very well, it's not unusual in terms of what the actual goal is, but the way the way you're approaching it and what it means to you. Well, not many people talk about this because it's all about the numbers. Yeah. But I won't, you know, spoil the story there. Okay. Give us a bit of a bit of a run in here. Like, what have you achieved, bro? What have you done? Well, to keep it sort of fairly concise, I I started working out. I've always tried to be fairly active, but the weight in my late teens, early twenties started creeping up quite heavily. So I started to go to the gym, work out. I was very unhappy. Um, I was suffering in my early 20s from really bad anxiety. So um, my sleep was off and I was just really unhappy with where I was in my life. Self-esteem? Self-esteem was completely down. I was trying to have a relationship um, with... Um, a guy and it just wasn't going anywhere and again I sort of blamed like the way that I looked on that not coming about and it was just I just wanted to feel like I could go out and date and be confident and at that time I just didn't feel that I could be so I was going to the gym uh, trying to do it myself realized that I wasn't going to be able to and started seeing a trainer which happened to be Matt um, and so we actually met in the gym. So Matt was my trainer to start off with. And we, that was probably what, six years ago, six and a half years ago, something like that. Mm. I'm not good with year numbers, but That's I reckon correct. it was just over six years ago. That's right. Yeah. So yeah, then we started working out more. I got great results in my first sort of three months and then sort of just kept going from there. Um, kept learning about nutrition, what to eat, how to train better. I, I sort of took to weight training really well. Um, I had never really done weight training before, but decided that I really enjoyed it. Um, and yeah, just took to that really easily. The nutrition was obviously always the harder bit. Um, shock horror there. Funny how that um, works. 
So it was always really hard for me. And then I think I spent over sort of the last six years, I have gone up and down um, in different years. So my weight has definitely not stayed the same. Um, over the past six years, I started off really heavy. I lost a bunch of weight. I uh, let that creep back on again. Um, then I, um, after we'd started our gym, uh, then I did the bikini photo shoot, mm. which was great sort of catalyst to get my ass into gear and get moving. Um, you got great shape. Got into great shape for that. Best ever. Then um, again, over like never really set sort of any other goal after that. Let it slowly, and it was a slow trickle creep back on again. It wasn't like the next month I was back to um, the weight I was before my photo shoot. But it's just a slow, slow trickle over the last couple of years that my weight has just sort of fluctuated around then the similar stage. So I haven't really lost a bunch more weight, but I haven't gained a heap more either after that photo shoot. Um, I'd sort of slowly put some back on and then I've just sort of plateaued off at the same sort of place. Mm -hmm. Um, Why do you think that is? There's been a few things that have happened over the past couple of years that I think has just taken my focus and I just don't think I've really focused on setting any particular goal. Um, I think that... Last year was a year for me that I really wanted to focus on my body and my health. Um, I felt like I think sometimes you just know that your body's just not functioning the way that it should. And I definitely felt like the last couple of years that my body was just definitely not functioning the way that it should. I never sort of lent on that as, well, my body's not functioning, so I don't have to care about what I eat. It was never about that. It was more so just... I'm eating right, I'm going to the gym and it's not, oh, why aren't I losing weight? It's just, why do I feel crap? Like, why am I feeling heavy and my, um, you know, my bowel movements weren't the way that, you know, as as regular as they should be. And, and it was just different things happening with my body that it was just not um, – not really clicking into place for me. So there was clearly something I was eating or doing that was just not agreeing with me. Any other ways you were feeling like crap? Um, I was just feeling very heavy. I've always been somebody who retains a lot of fluid. Um, uh, about three years ago, I was now, I think it was about two and a half years ago, I was diagnosed with endometriosis. Which is a podcast unto itself. Yes, mm. which... Um, gave me quite a few answers as to things as to why they, you know, things seemed different to other people. But again, you don't really have any major understanding that there's something wrong because it's the way it's always been for me. So it feels normal for me, Mm. but it's not until you see, you know, you hear your friends comment on things, oh, I don't get that or something like that. And you start to think, oh, is it normal though? So that sort of answered a lot of questions. Um, for in terms of the way that my body was behaving um, in certain things, pain-related things, things around my menstrual cycle was really off. So I was having a lot of challenges based around those things. And then the more I looked into endometriosis, the more I realized that um, I think some of the things I was eating, even though it was healthy food, it's not necessarily about whether it was junk food or healthy food. It just wasn't agreeing with my body. 
So there were some dietary changes that I had to make in terms of making sure my body could be functioning properly. Um, And that's continued um, all the way down through endometriosis going on hormone therapy. So like the, you know, the contraceptive pill and then going on from there, um, working out what suits your body, what doesn't suit your body. And, you know, for some people they can get through really, really well. Um, and they don't have any uh, anything like this to worry about. And then for other people, it can be quite challenging. I, I, although I would probably say there that I don't think there's anyone that can say they can eat or drink anything and no. feel fine because I, I can't. No. And I think the more the more you get in over the years that I've got to learn about my body, the more that that has become more and more obvious to me. What your awareness? The awareness, totally. Yeah. And it's got to the point now where I can feel it. So if I'm making the conscious choice to eat something or drink something, which I'm pretty sure that I shouldn't be doing, but but it's not necessarily because it's bad for me. Like I'm not, you know, having a, a drink, you know, that's full of chocolate and... Well, it might be that's bad for you in terms of your reaction to Ice it. cream, correct. It's not necessarily about the quote-unquote calories, if to use that phrase, in the actual food or the drink. Yeah. It's to do with the ingredients that aren't agreeing with me. And I can feel it straight away if I've eaten or drunk something that I shouldn't have had. I think everyone has some intolerances somewhere. Yeah. And that's fine. And it's not to the point where I'm allergic to things. Yeah. It's just things that are, don't necessarily sit well with you. And you hear that a lot from people that go out and they say, oh, my tummy feels a bit off. I must have eaten too much. Well, it may not be necessarily that you ate too much. It's just that you ate too much of the food that your stomach doesn't thing. like. Can I, so, um, can I bring up, this is just one of a number of reasons why meal plans don't work. Yeah. Because how could, like, can you imagine if I prescribed to you, Courtney, you should have A, B, C, D, and three of those four things bloat you up hardcore and make you feel like shit. How long are you going to sustain that for? Oh. <laughs> yeah, nah. Yeah, nah. Yeah, nah. I mean, realistically, um, with me, I, I bloat very easily mm. and quickly. It doesn't take much to trigger bloating for me. You are an elite bloater. And it can last anywhere from a couple of days to a couple of weeks. Now, what do we call those weeks? Whale weeks. <laughs> Whale week. I think sometimes you have to have a, a little... I've learned over the years that you have to have a bit of a sense of humour towards it for me to, in order to get by because there's no point being upset and angry about it all the time. It's the way I used to be. I used to be upset and angry about this all the time. Why me? Why has this happened to me? Why do other people get to eat whatever they want? I've seen that. And, I've seen that And it's really, it's really something that I've had to learn is not helpful. It's not going to make it go away. Mm. And all it is is resenting other people for no reason and it's just causing, again, more stress for no reason. It, it does compound the problem because you're also assuming uh, that other people have it easy. Yeah. Which is a, a common thing when it comes to weight loss and health is that, well, I'm the only person on earth that suffers with this. Like, nah, mate, you're not. A lot of people have problems with things. A lot of people have, like serious allergies to certain things and that highly impacts dangerous their life. Dangerous allergies. Dangerous allergies. I know I know somebody who is deathly allergic to nuts. She can't even have someone breathe on her if they've eaten nuts. Yep. So there are there are a lot of people out there that have got way worse than I do. So it was one of those situations I've had to learn mm. to just suck it up. It is the way that it is. If I look like I'm three months pregnant today, <laughs> well, I look like I'm, I'm three months pregnant. There's nothing I can do about it. And I think that that comes back down to just judgment 
it in general. You have owned it more. Yeah. Over time, there's a, bit of, there's a maturity there. And I think that, you know, I used to get so embarrassed by it thinking, oh, shit, people are going to think I'm fat. Mm. You know? Mm. And it's like at the end of the day, if people are going to think that I'm fat, people are going to think I'm fat. And there's nothing I can do about it. Just like there's nothing I can do from making my tummy not bloat. Because at the end of the day, I still haven't figured out every single food or or liquid that is going to make my stomach react. You've done, you've done pretty well. I've done pretty well at limiting it, but I don't think it's ever going to completely go away. I would say it's, it's you're far more in control than you were. Yeah. And there's been a lot of trial and error that's come with that. But I think as if, if I were to keep going along those those lines of thinking, then it do, it just make it, anyway it just makes it worse. So over the last sort of two years, I think that I've completely plateaued in my fat loss because I've and and I I want to make this very clear. I'm not saying that because I got diagnosed with endometriosis, that's affected my ability to lose weight. It hasn't. I'm saying that in the since my diagnosis my my mental sort of um, focus has switched and I think I took the pedal off focusing on fat loss because I was just so, I just want to know what is this, what can I do about it, how is this affecting me, why do I feel like this? So I was just constantly being distracted and um, I think that that is why the last two years that I really sort of my fat loss has plateaued because I've put too many other things in front of that as I oh, know I need to focus on this first. I need to focus on this first. And what effect has that had? Well, it's had an effect because I'm, I'm like I'm not at a happy place with the amount of body fat that I have on my body. Yep. Okay. And I think that on one hand, you know, I'm not going to say it was a complete waste of time because now I know more about the way my body works. I think I've learned more in the last two years than I have in the, you know, four years before that. But um, so it has, has its upsides. But on the other side, you know, I think that if I had have, you know, focused more in the last two years, I probably could have achieved both. Um, and I just didn't take that time to focus on that. Okay. What have you learned from that? Well, I've learned that I need to put what's really bothering me most first. So I think that this is a mistake that I've seen other people make as well. And, and I want to be clear, just because you, you can see other people make mistakes, it doesn't mean you're immune to making them as well. Like, you know, it's always so much easier to see things in other people when you're on the outside looking in. Well, you're objective. So it's a very different thing. So the mistake that I made, which I've seen other people make as well, is to just be um, too focused on what I thought that I had to focus on rather than what I really wanted to focus on. All right. So let's get down to brass tacks then. What do you really want to focus on and what bothers you? Right now, I think the the biggest thing that bothers me, well, not even right now, it's been like this for a long time, that the thing that bothers me the most is that it takes me so long to figure out what to wear every day. And people might just think, oh, that's it. But no, it, it's a really, really big thing for me. It ain't just you. It takes me, I have a pile of clothes usually laying on my bed and on my dresser. And on the floor. And Matt always says, why are these clothes here? And it's because I, I went through about five different outfits 
to figure out what to wear. And so I just try something on, don't like it, I'll take it off, put it on the dresser. Oh, I'm not sure about that one, I'll come back to it. Why and then I grab sure? something else because oh, does it make me look fat? You know, um, does it emphasize my tummy? You know, I've always carried fat the most between sort of my my collarbone and my hips. Mm. That's where my that's where my my body fat has always settled for me. Retire. Everybody has a different body shape. And I'm not really, like, I don't really know, you know, there's pears and apples and all these different bloody fruits. I don't really know all of that stuff. But I just know that where your body fat is most and where my body fat is most, which is between my collarbone and my hips. Mm. (laughs) So that is where I've always carried it. And whenever I lose fat first, it always comes off like my arms or my legs. Go figure, right? But that's where it always is. The The place I carry it the most is always the last to shift. Which is standard. Now, you mentioned trying on different outfits because, well, does this one make me look fat, etc. How does that affect you? It's, it's deep. Like I think about it every day. Every day. Literally every day. And I sort of almost yeah. dread and I'll get to the point where I dread figuring out what to wear. Like if we've got to go out for dinner or something like that, you usually find me in the same thing, which is jeans and a black singlet. How long has this been an issue for? Years. Like what, three years, four years, decades? It's always been an issue for me, always. Because even when I was big, I was always mindful of what I wore. So it all, it's always been an issue. I even remember being um, concerned about what I would wear, even going back to high school and you'd have a, a uniform free day. And I would stress about what to wear. Really? To school. And, you know, so it's carried all the way through. Because you don't want to look like an idiot going to school and be picked on, you know? Mm. So you got to wear what the cool kids wear, you know, to school. you got to have the fashionable things when you go to school. And so then you leave school and then, you know, you start to work and you've got to worry about what to wear to work and what to wear out for dinner. And then, and then it, as the weight was going on when I was younger, it becomes, you know okay, what do I wear, but then what's also going to suit me? Like how do I dress to make me not look so fat? Um, and then it just carries on and carries on and carries on. And then I'm quite heavy, big chested. I've got large um, boobs. So I'm in Australian bra. Um, I don't know what it translates to internationally, but in an Australian sizes, I'm a 10 to 12 F. So... It's quite a large cup size. Um, but so even then growing up, it was always, I've always had um, a large bust. So for me growing up, it was always, you know, are my boobs sticking out? I never wanted them to be too on show sort of thing. Um, and then, yeah, so it's all of those things. Like be mindful that if I wore something baggy, then if it drops down straight from my boobs down, it makes me look like I'm, pregnant because my my boobs are out further than my belly oh it just matt's looking at me like i don't really what (laughs) but it's actually listening but it's like wow it's something that i've always had to be mindful of over the years growing up you'd be mindful of what fabrics you just completely stick like that's not going to work for me what shapes of clothes colors patterns so i tend to dress mostly in black because i find that that's easy how has this affected you mentally mentally i would say it's just is exhausting it gets to the stage where it's like mentally draining when 
I'd go through five outfits before I've even stepped foot out of the house. And so, and you know, you go to work and I'm already mentally drained because I couldn't decide what to wear this morning. Do you take the anxiety of the you know, having to like go, go through these options, does the anxiety leave the house with you? It does often if then I regret what I've worn. So and then I'll think about it at work. How do you regret that? Like what stage do you regret that? Well, if I feel like I'm uncomfortable or I shouldn't have worn this or I, I catch it, like I work somewhere now which has large mirrors that I walk past. So if I'm walking past the large mirrors and I get a glimpse of myself from the side and I think, oh, shit, you don't look good. You don't look good. Shouldn't have worn this. And so now I'm self-conscious about it all day. How often does this happen? Uh, that, that, that happens and I regret what I'm wearing. Yeah. Um, at least once a week. Okay. Yeah. But then I, that's why I'm probably even more careful about making sure that I wear things that, you know, I'm not going to regret. So very safe choices. So I tend to stay you, pretty safe with this my This affects outfits. you every day. Yeah. And I think about if I've got a big event coming up, like, you know, at the end of every year, we tend to go to a big awards night mm. um, if for the fitness sort of industry that we're in. Now, I'll start thinking about that outfit months in advance. Like now? Yeah. Like, oh. And especially if something's themed, God, that comes with a whole nother stress level. Because now, oh, great, now I've got certain, you've tightened my box of options even more. Mm. So now I've got to try to figure out, God, what am I going to wear? You know, how am I going to look? You know, these are all things that, yeah, it goes through those stages. I could never, I've never just put on something and thought, it'll do. (laughs) It's not really in my nature, even though, you know, and I think that that's something as well. A lot of people sort of say like, oh, you could put on anything. But if you don't feel like you could put on anything, it doesn't really matter what people say. Do you think this affects a lot of women? I think it's a lot of people, a lot of people, especially if they don't have a uniform. I tend to find uniforms really easy. Like if you work somewhere where you've got to wear a uniform. So it's like, oh, well, it's just my uniform. But then, you know, you got you get invited out for dinner or you get invited to a gala mm. awards mm. night and then you've got to really dress up and it's like, oh, what am I going to wear, you know? Sort of thing, like I don't know. I, I I couldn't obviously speak for everyone, but I know for me, it, I th- I think about it weeks and weeks and weeks, and I'll go through option upon option. I'll try on a dress several times before I buy it. I'll I'll try it on in the store. I'll buy it. I'll come home. I'll try it on again. I usually send a photo to my mum to get her opinion. I'll I'll make sure Matt has his opinion. I'll make sure that <laughs> my sister. I make sure with my sister. Or my my, my brother's girlfriend is, is there. Like I make sure I get everybody's opinions on, you know, does this look okay? Are you sure it doesn't show this? So, you know, I'll turn to the side and make sure it doesn't show anything that it shouldn't be showing. That will get exhausting. Yeah. And I, I would say there is 100% certainty that affects a lot of people because it's affected me. Yeah. Well, that's a good point. I'm glad you said that because... It's not just something that would affect women. No chance. No chance. I would say, to in, in the context of our fine podcast, the best health or fitness podcast ever, anyone that's had weight issues, can I think, can, could relate to this. Yeah. 
I'd go beyond that and say this could be a human issue in general because no one wants to look foolish or look bad. And what should be a, in theory, relatively simple task of what am I going to wear today? Oh, cool, I'll wear that. Becomes a drawn out episode every single day. Yeah, absolutely. How do I feel today? Do I feel like wearing this pencil skirt, but it's tight? Mm. So if I'm not feeling myself today, like I feel like I'm bloated or I'm not quite feeling it, then I can't wear that. But there's also not just that, it's do I have the confidence that I can pull this off? Yeah. And I think that comes down to it a lot as well. When I say, oh, I can't wear that, I could wear that. Like there's nothing stopping me from wearing that. You're actually that. saying, I don't think I could get away with but it. But I'm saying, I, I feel I can't wear that and I wouldn't be comfortable and I'd be thinking about it all day. So in my mind, if I put on something and I don't feel like I can pull this off, then in my mind it's, I can't wear this because I will literally be uncomfortable all day. It will affect my day at work. It will affect everything that I do mm. because all I'll be thinking about is do I look fat? Do I look shit? Are they, these people think that I look shit. Which will affect what you do then. It will. Yeah. It affects everything about me. So when I say, when I refer to this as I try something on and no, I can't wear that, it's not that I couldn't wear it. It's not that like it doesn't fit me. Like the clothes that I own all just, they all fit me. The confidence is not there. If it's not there, then I can't wear it. Okay, so that's you've framed the problem rather well. What's the solution? What's the goal? The goal mm. is to take away the anxiety around wearing clothes. So it's to be able to just do what you said, Matt, put something on and say, yeah, okay. And when was the last time you think you're able to do that? I don't remember the last time, unless I'm wearing like sort of like my black work uniform is what I call it. I don't have a work uniform, but this is your comfort outfit. It's my comfort outfits that I know that is fine. Um, They're pretty much the only time that I can put on an outfit straight away and not do like a second change. The only time that I only go through one outfit change. I outfit changed twice yesterday and I was just going to, like, we. <laughs> I was just at home. <laughs> Didn't know that. Um, we'd gone out in the morning, hadn't we? We had done some errands and done some bits and pieces. Matt and I had gone to my parents' house to visit them, mm. came home. Uh, we did a workout, didn't we, Matt? Yeah. And then after that, showered, Got changed. I changed twice, and I wasn't going out for the to rest. Stay of the at day. home. Yeah. Oh, not really. Yeah. Wow. Okay. But it's not like I didn't even think about it at the time. But just talking to you now, I've just remembered that. To I changed twice to stay at home. That is the level that it's got to because I knew I was staying home, but I put something on and I decided I didn't like the way it looked. Wow. So I just put my pajamas on. So the goal is to take this away. Yes. That's a one, that's a great goal because what weight do you need to be to get to that? No idea. <laughs> exactly. I've actually got no idea. Uh, that's, uh, that's why this is a good discussion about goal setting to begin with. 
because obviously with what you and I do for a living and the line of work that we're in, it's all numbers, mate. Yeah. How many kilos you want to lose? Oh, this, great. Which Where, really, it means nothing. Well, well, I mean, to be really... At the end of the day. To be brutally honest, I've seen plenty of people lose a decent number on the scales and still look and feel like shit. Well, I know for myself, I've seen the scales go down and I'm the exact same size. So I don't know how that happens realistically in terms of obviously fluid retention for me. No, my history is a big factor. But I can tell you right now, I stepped on the scales at the gym. We don't own scales, Matt or I, but I stepped on the scales at the gym last year and I was 80 kilos. I hovered around 80 kilos for a long time whenever Mm. I'd weigh myself at the gym. I weighed myself at the gym last week and I was 76 kilos. Mm. Now, none of my clothes fit differently. But despite the number being different, the problem is still there. Correct, because none of my clothes fit differently. And this is where, you know, insert discussion about the numbers here, but the numbers are irrelevant when what actually makes you feel bad is what you described before. So I could sit here and celebrate losing four kilos. But you still fucking hate the fact <laughs> that you go through 87,000 outfit changes per week. I'm not celebrating anything yeah. realistically because yeah. all my clothes fit me the same. So all I'm doing is celebrating... A number. Obviously not retaining so much fluid in the past 12 months. Yeah, Great be, job to me. You'd be celebrating a number, but you're still being undermined by what actually bothers you the most. Correct. And that's where honest... Real honest goal setting comes into it, which is where you can talk about what you think you need to do versus either what you actually want to do or what you really want to get rid of. Mm. So I always look at goal setting as one of two things. It's moving towards a source of pleasure, which can be, well, I would like to achieve A, Mm. whatever that might be. The other angle with goal setting to me, and I want your thoughts on this, the other angle for goal setting is, well, I'm moving away from a source of pain. I've got this thing in my life that's fucking with my head and fucking with my emotions and my common sense. I wish to take that away. So what you're talking about, this is definitely the removal of pain Mm. and numbers ain't going to fix that. No, no. Because to me... Let's say, for example, you lost 10 kilos on the scales, but you were still outfit changing and still feeling like junk. What have you achieved? Correct. However, let's say, let's fast forward here. You tell me what you, you think with this. Six, eight, nine months from now, you haven't lost a gram on the scales, but you can wear anything you want first time and you know you look good. Would that be a success or a failure? It would be a success. And I want to add a part to that, which is if I haven't lost a single gram on the scales and I'm still fitting in to size 10 to 12 clothing, I don't care about the clothing size either. The clothing size doesn't bother me. It's not that I sit there and I think, oh, I'm a size 12 in this top. You know, mm. some things I'm a size 12, some things I'm a size 10. It depends on where I'm buying the clothes Absolutely. from. Yep. depends on the fabric. Yep. That doesn't bother me. I could literally fit into clothing sizes themselves don't bother me anymore. Okay. It's it's 
the fact that I put on the clothing and I'm still have to be super careful about the clothing I wear because I carry still a lot of excess fat around my my torso. Mm-hmm. And I'm self-conscious about that. And again, this is just for me. A lot of people carry extra weight around their torso and they don't think twice about putting on clothes. That's great. That's that's your comfort level. Mm. My comfort level with my body right now is just not there. It's got nothing to do with the, the number on the scales. It's got nothing to do with the number on the tag of the clothes that I'm putting on. It's got to do numbers with the confidence that I have based around the body shape that I know I could have and I know I want versus what I've got. That's all really all it comes down to. And I've seen plenty of people out there that are my size and they're stoked. And they will wear tight clothes, baggy clothes, whatever the freaking hell they want and be super comfortable with it. And I'm like, great, that's awesome. So it's got nothing to do with either all of us being the same, everyone needs to, if you're not a certain size, if you're carrying excess fat, you should be uncomfortable with the way that you look in clothes. It's got nothing to do with that. It's got to do with the fact that I'm not comfortable, I'm self-conscious, I think about it every day, and I know that I could look better than I than I do, and I know that when I do look better than I do, that that anxiety that I feel based around getting dressed in the morning will go away. And that just that mental, like it's just sheer like mental exhaustion thinking about it sometimes. Going shopping, you know, for new clothes is mentally tiring for me mm. because it's a constant thing of does it look good, don't know if it looks good, second-guessing myself constantly. I don't like going clothes shopping with you for that reason. I hate. It's a drain. It's just, it is it's mentally exhausting. Mm. I love clothes. I love dressing up. I love like looking good. And I, I love all of that. Yeah. But then, I, I, then it's once I have to actually do it for myself, I hate it. So you've got to dressing up others. Or, or just thinking about like, oh, that top's really nice and that goes yeah. with that top. But then I put it on myself and the the constantly it's doubt doesn't look good does it look good not sure if it looks good i think it shows my belly too much i can't wear it right so you know it, it those sort of things come straight away so next question can i presume that with this goal you've got you're giving yourself what 28 days to achieve it i thought i'd come up with a new catchphrase and go 13 days 13 days, like a 13-day detox? I thought 28 days doesn't really make much sense. Oh, so I thought I may as well come up with another number that doesn't make and, any sense. And when you think about it, 28 days is too far away. <laughs> if you can get your results in 13 days... And not quite two weeks. People say, why not just go 14 days, two weeks? Why not 13? Because two weeks is too long. <laughs> it's one day too long. It's one day too long. So <laughs> let, let the shred begin. <laughs> No. Real, <laughs> real question. Real question. How long do you think this might take? It'll at least take me to the end of the year, at least. And, and, and it'll take me longer than that also because obviously you have to then maintain it. Well, if it does take you longer than that, how will you feel? That's fine. Why? Because it's going to take how long it's going to take. And I think at the same time, 
I'm, I'm, it's not like I'm aiming for a number or anything like that. This goal is I want to get to the stage where I'm comfortable in clothing. So you don't know how long that's going to take. But also I think that in terms of re- reaching the body shape goal and then you've got to remember that then I've got to get to the stage where that habit that I constantly have of doubting everything I wear and changing multiple times a day mm. um, before finding an outfit to wear, that's a habit that's ingrained also that I'm going to have to work on. So it's not just get your body shape in order, but it's also work on then once I get my body shape to a place where I'm confident with it, it's still having that in grained habits of doubting everything I put on is still going to be there. So that's something I'm also going to have to work on. Hmm. Do you have any items of clothes in the wardrobe that will be like a benchmark for this? Um, do I have any items of clothes that would be a benchmark? Yeah, probably would be. Things that I haven't worn for a long time because I feel uncomfortable. I'd like to see those. Would you? I would. <laughs> I would because we can go back to them, what, every month, every two months yeah. and see how they look and see how they feel. Yeah. That's what I like to do with people when it comes to goal setting is pick pick uh, some yardstick clothes and come back to them same, same time and same day each month and to see, see what you see and see what you feel. Mm. Just a thought. Yeah. I obviously approve and strongly agree with the long-term approach where it's like you know, at least the end of the year then going further beyond that, especially given that we we work in a very, well, the ultimate results now fraudulent industry. So I can obviously get behind that. Uh, the, the long-term approach is extremely, well, it's intelligent, it's realistic as well. And I also think, and you talk, I want your opinion on this, this is obviously, and you said it yourself, this has affected you for a long time. Is it possible you weren't ready to address this previously? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because I wouldn't have considered it my main problem. Ah. I wouldn't have considered this, if you would have asked me, you know. Six four, years ago. Six years ago. Yeah. This wasn't the biggest problem. Okay. That I would have perceived as being an issue. Mm-hmm. So I think over time. But deep down, in hindsight, was it? Well, it probably w- was realistically yeah. because then it led to a lot of other things. But I think with the clarity of time, it makes a big difference. And you, I've slowly sort of worked on other things that I perceived to be my biggest issues at the time. And you get to the point now where you think, okay, I'm still not happy. Why? Now, you mentioned the clarity of time. I'm glad you did because this is this is a discussion over a number of years here, Mm. not a 28-day challenge or a 12-week challenge or even a 12-month program, is it? No. So there's been clearly an improvement and growth in your self-awareness. Yes. And it's also, I think, a discussion about as you move forward and have success, you actually don't remove all your problems you kind of either inherit the ones that come with the next level or you then become ready to face deeper issues that you've had. Yes. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's and that's probably the biggest thing I haven't done in the past, which is I get to a certain place and my next goal isn't strong enough because I'm not actually making sure that I'm picking something that means a lot to me. You're not digging deeper. I'm not digging deeper. Mm. Or I've been guilty in the past of just not setting another goal. Complacency? Com- absolutely complacency. Okay. And that, and that is something I've struggled with a lot in the past and I've seen then after that clients go through it oh, yeah. where it's, it's they, uh, you, you can get sucked into building up the goal, the big goal, to be like bigger than Ben-Hur. Like it's like this is it. Mm. And then you get there and it's sort of like now what? I have... And a bit of an analogy for that, because I see that all the time, have seen it countless times so far in my career. People look, people view their goal or their goals and attach the finish line to it. Mm. Where to me, the goal is a set number of laps around the track, but the race continues after those laps are done. A lot of goal setting that people will put themselves through implies finish line. To me, it implies end of chapter. Yeah. In a very large book. I think that that's yeah? great. The The race is a great analogy because I think what happens is people, they, they use a goal as a finish line mm. and then they get so sucked up in the race they get so consumed with it that they even lose track of the finish line and they focus on the ceremony of receiving their award after they finish. It becomes about something bigger even than the goal and it becomes about the achievement and and that sort of thing. And that's such a gratifying feeling, especially when you've been struggling negatively for so long. But then often, then that's distracting then from continuing the race. Well, to me, to me, just from my perspective, it's more short-term thinking. Yeah. Here's my goal. I get to the finish line. I'm done. My life's set. Away I go. I'm happy now. I'm happy now. It's yeah. all easy from here. Uh, reality check. It, it becomes a big reality check also because a lot of people, and myself included at that time, you know, when I first started, you're so down on yourself and mm. you feel like absolute rubbish yep. that as soon as you get a taste of being happy and people start noticing how good you look and, you know, you you you, you feel like you've accomplished something and, it's, and you're happy, it's easy to get sucked into thinking, well, I'm happy now. I'm sweet. I'm done, mate. You know, I'm like good. I felt like garbage and now I'm happy. Winning at life. And. Yep. And it is easy then, and I've had it happen to me, where you get sucked into thinking, wow, great, I felt like crap, I feel happy now, I'm awesome, Let, let's, you know, like, well, I've got this. But That sounds like a temporary high. It, it can be, and yeah. I think a lot of people get sucked into that. This is what I mean by the ceremony of the race, that you can get distracted by that because you've been unhappy for so long. And now, that, you're, now you're getting some credit. You now start you're getting some credit and, and, you, and you personally you're happy mm. and you're probably able to fit into clothing you hadn't before and you're able to wear things you hadn't before. Yeah. And so 
the fact that you haven't actually reached your ultimate, ultimate goal, it never crosses your mind. It's like you're so distracted by... The compliment distracts you. The whole, the, the whole um, yeah, the success of what you've achieved, even if it isn't like what you ultimately, ultimately want to get to, you get distracted by that and it can derail you rather than, as you say, continuing that race. You sort of get stuck at that first checkpoint where you receive your trophy rather than continuing on. I do, I do think we're giving two different examples around the same thing, but I yeah, do agree you with get you. It. But anyway, regardless, either way it happens, it is very easy to get lost after the first goal. It is. Uh, and I think, I think there's, it, it, I suppose it's just the line of work that we're in. There's just a lot of people honestly lie to themselves with short-term thinking. And I think also that then that, it becomes its own hurdle after that because then the the whole idea of being um, disappointed, embarrassed yep. about what's happened then mm. creeps in. So, you know, how many people do we see, Matt, that have sort of bumps in the road and go backwards, but there's not as many that actually come out of it the other side? Uh, no, I, I agree completely. And I think a lot of it comes from the all or nothing approach. So it's, you know... People will tell you when they're killing it and when they're not killing it, uh, you won't hear much. And a lot of people, you know, I'm not going to say you shouldn't feel bad for that because like it's it's a negative experience, but there's a learning lesson there mm. as well. But you do see it a lot where it's, oh, well, I've, I've made a mistake. I've taken a step backwards. Oh, I've fucked it. Yeah. Not really. You haven't no. really... And I think that, that that is the all or nothing approach in terms of, well, it just doesn't work. Or, <laughs> yeah. or you have the people like I fell into this boat where I was embarrassed and I tried to cover up so people wouldn't notice, you know, because it was embarrassing. But I think then there's, there's a misconception that this is where the misconception comes in that, oh, no one makes mistakes and you should get this right the first time. That's, and that's bullshit. I think that that's where... Matt, you and I have been pretty open over the years about trying to let people realise that we've made mistakes, we continue to make mistakes, it's always a learning lesson. Can I be very clear on something? Yes. I have fucked up everything in my life to get to where I am. But I think when we first started um, being quite more public about our own stories years ago yeah. and the struggles we've been through, Matt, mm. there wasn't a lot of people talking about that. There wasn't a lot of people. I'm sure there was in the world, but I'm talking about in our general in our lot of work. lives, in our generalized circle. I don't remember a lot of people putting it out there at the time about the mistakes they were making. Well, ultimately, a lot of people view vulnerability as weakness, where we view it as strength. And I think that that made a big difference to me, where I was able to admit like where I had made mistakes and things like that. And then I had people coming back to me saying, oh, I've done that too. Oh, I did that. I thought I was the only one that did that. You know, things like that. That'll probably happen from this podcast. And I think though, if I had heard that six years ago, mm. I probably would have bounced back quicker from my first sort of mistakes. 
Okay. But I'm hoping that the more and more open people are these days about the mistakes that they make and how they're able to overcome them and failing is quitting. It's not making mistakes and going backwards. I'm hoping that more and more people are able to take from that the ability to keep going and overcome them. Because there's one thing I was thinking about back in the day, I don't remember there being a lot of discussion in our circles. I'm not talking about there was plenty probably discussion in other people's general circles. But in our circle, I don't remember there being a lot of, there was a fear of, I remember there being a fear of showing the um, mistakes and things like that because, you know, we were trainers. We were supposed to do it properly. Uh, that hasn't changed as much as you might think it, you might think it has, both within our own circles and generally. Everyone wants to show that they're living their best life. The Instagram life. Uh, yeah, they're, we're, we're living our best life and everything's hunky-dory. No, nah, mate, that's false. So I think that also does tie in to the, the theme of success leaves clues, which is, like in your case, what you're talking about here, embracing mistakes, Yeah. using them for what they are versus what they actually aren't. Yeah. They're not so much failures as they are opportunities to move forward. And I don't think I would have this goal now and be in the position where I am now if I hadn't have gone through all of that. Because going through all of those um, setbacks and challenges, hurdles along the way yeah. have all sort of come to where I am now. So it's not, it's not a perfectly clear road for anyone. Now, would you be inviting people to follow you on this journey? Yeah. Absolutely. Hadn't thought about it, but since you've asked the question, yep. We know the like. <laughs> it's me. Yes. I think our Facebook group would be good for that. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Yep. Any other sort of comments you want to make on this before we wrap it up? No, I think just in terms of if we go back to the theme of the series, which is Success Leaves Clues. Yes. I think that definitely one of the biggest things for me has been the ability to make a mistake, learning very quickly that you need to own it because if you don't own it, you can't move on from it. It festers as well. It festers and you literally will constantly stay where you are. You will not move forward unless does, you can admit it. It does put a ceiling on your yeah. progress, doesn't yeah, it? It basically builds a wall in front of you. You can't well you can't move. You well can't said. move anywhere. So right. I learned very early on that unless I admitted what I had done, embarrassing sure disappointing sure but i think you have like for me i've had to sort of learn as part of my life and this has helped me with the anxiety i've faced over the years too which is sometimes shit happens and there's just nothing you can do about it at that time like it's happened so once it's happened there's nothing you can do about it so when the milk's out of the bottle you're not putting it back in all you can do then is come up with a plan to move forward. Mm. So I think that that is in terms of like success leaves clues. Um, there's a lot of great information in this series. I think that's the one thing that I'll probably just leave mine on, which is just acknowledge when a mistake is made and move on from it. Well said. And I think that's a wrap. Yeah. I think we're done. I think I've spoken enough for this episode, just rambled on for like an hour. No, you haven't rambled on in the slightest. There's This is why I wanted this discussion to be part of this season because there's a lot of value there. Yeah. Just because you are someone who has come a long way in your life and has changed your life in some fairly dramatic ways, but there are still hurdles. 
there are still challenges. They're just the next level of challenges that you're now actually ready to face down. And I think you bringing up the Instagram life is a really good point too because yeah. a lot of people will probably listen to this that know me and say, I didn't know that you, you know, were unhappy when you got dressed and things like that. You know, and it's like you learn over time to be like pretty good at disguising your body shape with your clothing. You learn over time to be pretty good at, you know, acting confident, you know, in certain situations and and but deep down I'm still unhappy with the way that I look Mm. so you learn over time ways of dealing with it but it doesn't uh, it doesn't change the underlying current which is I'm still not a hundred percent happy I don't think I'm look disgusting but no you do not I I'm still not 100 percent happy there's still that will you little bit can you ever be 100 percent happy you know what no you, you make a good point. You, I'm never going to look at myself. I don't think I will ever look at myself in clothing all the time and say, nah, yeah, I'll just wear this. Well, look at it this way. To me, the, the concept of 100% happy is the finish line. And there actually kind of isn't one. I know, I know women who are in ripping shape who still look at clo- certain clothing and say, no, I can't wear that. I don't feel comfortable in that. So there's always still going to be clothes, yes, that I'm not going to wear, that I'm not going to feel comfortable in, that there's still going to be things that I second guess. But at the moment, that idea is a hell of a lot better than what I go through now, which is every day. And it's a mental drain about worrying constantly about how I look, what I'm wearing and that sort of thing. It, uh, and it and it brings back that anxiety for me on what other people think of me, how mm. other people think that I look. And that is just like a mental drain that I've worked really hard to get rid of. And I think losing more body fat for me and being more comfortable in clothing will just help really get rid of that anxiety and that mental drain that I feel. But yeah, you're 100% right. That and I think it really should be emphasised that no one is ever going to be a hundred percent happy with the way they look. Well, to me, that's well, that to me leads to complacency. The thought of that, yeah. And that's you know we've touched on that a few times over the last couple of years. That like you work towards certain goals, but then other ones start to pop up. And that will I, probably I, I, happen to me again. Hopefully, and that will probably happen to me again. This yeah, is I my goal so. right now, yeah. and it's meant a lot to me for several years. But it's not to say that. I'm going to get to a point where I'm really comfortable in wearing, you know, tighter tops or tight singlet tops with jeans, which I wouldn't wear now. But that's not to say that then once I reach that, there's not going to be something else that I look at and say, oh, I'm not really super happy with this area mm. and I'm, I now I'm going to work on this. And you're right. I think that in, in some way has to happen because you have to have something else to constantly be looking forward to working on otherwise you just stop well think about the phrase that that we hear a lot and we've used a bit ourselves it's about the journey not the destination yeah and this this is i think a very good highlight yeah of that phrase yep that you've got the next chapter now in front of you but it's the next chapter in your journey not the end of the book no absolutely not and it can't be. It can't be. I like that. Well, it's never going to be. 
yeah, we're always we're always going to be our worst critics, and we're always going to find something about ourselves to work on. You aren't wrong about that. I reckon with that we'll put a bow on it. Yep, awesome. Great chat. Yes. So hopefully you've gotten some value out of this discussion. Uh, if not, please direct all complaint emails to, to Matt Courtney, Wolfs, Courtney at you can the find him at <laughs> You need to stop. Uh, but yeah, follow. Feel free to um to follow Courtney's journey now with this over at our Facebook group, which you'll find the link to on the show notes page over at what website? Do the weightlosspodcast.com. Well said. So hopefully you get a lot out of this. Yeah. And uh, we've got more coming. Yes. So you'll hear from us soon. Bye. Are you ready to share your success? Head over to our website for full access to our show notes, resources based on today's topic, and links to our Facebook group so you can share your story with our hosts and many others out there who are looking to achieve and maintain their health and fitness goals. You can find all that and more exclusively at theweightlosspodcast.com.